it's like you've got a snow globe, also known as your head, that you're shaking with thoughts about all your shoulds. But really, when you set the snow globe down and you let it settle, there's space. And in that space, everything you need to run your life is available. And in that space, action that I'm going to call inspired action versus conditioned action, i.e. should action, inspired action that comes from your heart and soul that nourishes you arises in that space. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. When faced with a crisis, how do you respond? When your mind is filled with anxious thoughts and worries, it's impossible to find the right answer. But if you let your mind settle and be at peace, then that's when insight arrives. In this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Elizabeth Lovius, entrepreneur, leadership coach and wisdom teacher. She shares her own insight about where inspired action comes from and how we can find it within us. We relate this to our own experience of handling a crisis when we discovered just three weeks before our annual signature event that we didn't have a venue. According to Elizabeth, no matter what we might be experiencing on the outside, inside we are safe and we can claim the peace we need at any time. This is our spiritual side, the side of us that we need to be using more in business particularly now. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, everyone. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are and whenever you are watching this. Uh, thank you to another... Oh, we are, what are we playing with? What's the name of this thing now, Lawrence? Are we, are we the fr- Friday Fireside? I think or it's Fireside Fridays or the fr- Friday Fireside. Yeah, we'd love to know you. All Campfire Conversations was another popular one. So... <laughs> Yeah, conversations. Yeah. I, I feel the need for some kind of flaming stuff going on yeah. in the background and marshmallows. Uh, maybe that's what we're going to have to insist. Anyone who's going to join us has to have a fire pit in front of them while they're talking. <laughs> but yeah, we want, we want the vibe of the around the campfire chat. That's the that's the goal, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, making it cozy and and also including everyone who's joining us live in the conversation we'd love to hear any thoughts any questions um and for us like maybe to spark it off is like 
the title of this was slowing down to the speed of life. And I've already seen uh, Ian said he, he loves the book. I didn't even know there was a book. There is uh, a book. So if you've read the book, please say yes. And if you haven't read the book, please say no. <laughs> At least then that, that's an easy question to start off with. Have you read Slowing Down to the Speed of Life? Um, and we're joined today by Elizabeth Lovius. Uh, and actually, I'm going to hand, hand over to you to maybe describe for, for people who are here who haven't, uh, who don't know you well uh, yet, explain who is Elizabeth and what does Elizabeth do? Oh, wow. There's a question. Okay, so I've been in the field of uh, helping things and people work better for 30 years. So I've been running my own organization, business consultancy for 30 years. And I met the happy startup guys five, six, seven years ago. I think maybe the second uh, camp you ever ran and um, ignited uh, in my heart a spirit of entrepreneurship, which I was already there, but I didn't didn't know and so, since then I don't know if you guys actually know this but I've set up I've become a an social entrepreneur so I've set up a couple of businesses in the space of wisdom and well-being which I believe is the source of everything so that's really what I've done over my 30 years is I've distilled the essence of everything I know that is helpful to people and discovered that whether you're right up against it and struggling with your own mind or your own life or whatever at that end of the spectrum or full of inspiration and ready to fulfill your potential the same source will guide you and the same source will heal you and the same source will help you move forward and that is already within you so i've become yeah. very interested in that what is that because it's not it's not a pill you can take and have it instantly, I wish, so do you. <laughs> well, there is a pill that helps you instantly, but that, that doesn't work sustainably, right? So, you know, there's, a, there's a downside. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should call this, you know, uh, the secret sauce from Elizabeth yeah. Logan. Natural high with Elizabeth Logan. Natural high, there's a name. Um, but but what I've discovered is I've worked with literally 10, over 10,000 people and I've discovered that there is this simple thing that's true for us all. And it's really how what's creating our experience of anything and everything. And that the more we understand that, the more we have the goodies of life. And I'm going to say the goodies of life are the answer to the Spice Girl question. <laughs> how many you want what you, you got, okay. I was waiting for it. You were going to sing it. Excellent. <laughs> But, um, it's Which one same, are you? It, I've discovered it's the same answer. You missed that. For everybody. <laughs> I said, which spice girl are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, no. Yeah. I said, which spice girl are you? Oh, which spice girl am I? Oh, have to be scary, I think. <laughs> um, a little bit right. scary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sporty. <laughs> oh, which one are you going to be? Laura's going to be baby. Oh, baby. I'll take baby. Okay, I can get that. But there is an answer to it. And it's really one of these four words, you know, whichever word floats your boat, but it's going to be a version of love or peace or freedom or fulfillment. Mm. So whatever you want, you want because you want that. Mm. So start there. Mm. So I've got a question that, it's popped up a couple of times this week. We're talking to a couple of well, people who've approached us about 
our community. And the symptom is busyness. Yeah. Needing to, and so what they've come, well, when I've talked to them, what they've been asking for is like, how can I fit all of this in? How can I get all of this stuff done? Because I need to get this, 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 and this done, but I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But I need to get this done, mm. but I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I talk about that? Go for it. Oh, my God. So that's everyone. <laughs> Me too. Um, but it's a lie. It's an oh. illusion. You know, it's, it's a story we're telling ourselves. So that's the first thing place to start we are telling ourselves stories all the time about what we need to do and I'm going to bring a really big important word into the conversation what we should do so there's two types I was just kind of listening a little bit to what Lawrence talked about last time not not you Lawrence baby spice the other one (laughs) the other spice scary spice yeah he can be scary um I want to talk about where what busyness really is and uh the two types of places action can come from that relates exactly to what you're saying. So busyness technically, oh lazy spice. I want to be lazy spice. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Lazy spice. That should be a lazy spice. My husband's lazy spice definitely. Um What is busyness? Busyness is a lot on your mind, right? Hmm. A lot of I've got a lot of things to do, I should do, my to-do list, or all these ideas of myself that I should be living up to that I'm not is my busyness. So I want to say that busyness is created through your mind. It's created in your head and it's filled with all the things you should be doing. Now, uh, that's made up. Mm. And you make it up. Mm. That's it. Mm. <laughs> so, so, but here's the, here's the problem. We live in a world where busyness is seen as a badge of honour, a good thing. Like, it's good to be busy. Now, what is true is it's good to get your hands dirty, for you to be engaged in life, to be alive, you know, that we're made to be alive in life, etc. But to be so busy that we feel overwhelmed by our thoughts, I don't think that's the design. I think we create it and we create it quite simply by thinking things should be different and we should be different than the way that we are. The should comes in. And the should is made up story that we've inherited from our parents, from our upbringing, from reading the Happy Startup Guide to being a good, happy startup. I should be doing my values. You know, whatever it is that we've created as what a good person is in our heads, we then become um, busy with if we're not that. So I just want to say that busyness isn't, I want to say a word about busy from the point of view of a really busy mind is not a mind that gets its best ideas. I think you'll have had many people on this show who've spoken, I know Lawrence will and Charlie, um, will have spoken to a quieter place that's available when we settle down, when we connect with ourselves, where 
inspiration and insight just arises effortlessly. The doing nothing has wisdom in it. Mm. I don't know about you guys listening or you, you two on the call, but do you do you not find that? I mean, I go for a walk most days if I can. The river walk behind my house. Nice. I get great ideas that I'm not thinking about. That's the key. I'm not <laughs> thinking about those things. I just what pops in my head is a revelation about my relationship with my dad. I wasn't even mm. thinking about my dad, you know. Mm. But in in pops insight in a space. So I just want to say one last thing about busyness. It's like you've got a snow globe, also known as your head, that you're shaking with thoughts about all your shoulds. But really, when you set the snow globe down and you let it settle, there's space. And in that space, everything you need to run your life is available. And in that space, action that I'm going to call inspired action versus conditioned action, i.e. should action, inspired action that comes from your heart and soul that nourishes you arises in that space. Nice. I love the idea of everyone having their own snow globe. <laughs> with their... Well, I was going to say, if you're watching now, um, if you've got that picture of a, of a snow globe with loads of stuff floating in your head or you're super calm, could you say snow globe if you're manic or slow globe if you're calm? Uh, slow globe or snow globe? It's not as good as Lazy Spice. Oh, we got <laughs> Lazy Spice is I'm stealing it. <laughs> I'm curious about what you were saying because um, I read this book last year or a couple of years ago called Make Time um, and they talked a lot about defaults. You know, you talk about busy seems to be like when you ask someone how they're doing, well, maybe before lockdown, probably even more so now, how are you doing? It tends to be busy, you know, and that's the first almost thing that comes to mind. We say our default is busy, but I'm curious, like how can we reset our defaults to, like you said, being full or less, I don't know, do we need lead language for it? That's not, um, that comes to mind when, when someone asks us that question. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is a really good opportunity to bring in the idea of feelings. <laughs> because they tell you where you are, right? So, so just take a look. Don't believe me, though. Just see if it's true. Sometimes we can feel anxious or frustrated or under pressure, urgent, stressed, angry, irritated, um, very gloomy, grumpy. I mean, if we're human... We're gonna we're gonna experience that. Now, feelings tend to come as a result of the quality of our thinking. So if we've got my husband should do more around the house thinking, we've got irritated feeling. It just goes together. Um, I can't cope with all the worry about the future, anxiety. You know, that feelings are telling us the quality of our thinking. Now, if you go, when you go on your little walk and you don't have much going on, the feeling that's there is just more open, more connected, more peaceful, in tune, easy. And so that tells you that the quality of your thinking's improved. So a busy mind 
if you comes with a sense of agitation, it's probably not really helping your um, experience and quality of life. Now, we've inherited a world where busy think a lot of thinking about things, analyzing, figuring it out is seen to be good. But it's not really the main design of the human. The main design of the human is to be present, being in this moment, being present to what is in this moment. And in that this moment, we have everything we need to meet the needs of the moment. Now, what happens is because we've been gifted with this incredible gift of thought to imagine a past and a future, because actually they only exist in imagination, by the way. Technically, the brain imagines the past. That's why I've frozen. Am I still there? That's why you can't, police have such trouble um, getting witness statements because everyone has their own imagination of what happened. And the future, well, clearly that hasn't happened yet. So it can only ever be a construct. But the way we're designed is when we think about this terrible thing that happened when you know in, the, in our past, or we think about this terrible thing that might happen in our future, we have the feelings to correspond with that right now. So I think about, I might never see my mum again, and I start to feel the grief right now as if it's happening, but it's not. But we don't, our minds don't know the difference. Mm. So I want to say that, you know, your feelings are telling you about the state of your thinking. And quite simply, the less on your mind, the more settled you are, the more the quality of your thinking guides you moment by moment and, and gives you what you need to meet the needs of the moment. And I think this is a massive misunderstanding most people have. They think they need to plan for every eventuality and figure it out before it happens. And they get busy with that and it looks like a good idea and it's a, it should you should do that. But life, I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> doesn't work out like you planned it a lot. That doesn't mean to say you do nothing. But if you're always preoccupied with your plans, you're not here now in this moment following the breadcrumbs right in front of you. There's an element there about uh, here about control. Yeah. And, and, and the need to feel like you're in control. Um, but also there's there's part of it of um, you know I like the idea of you know this when you're talking about our, our ability to imagine things is what makes things happen yeah. if we couldn't imagine things we wouldn't be able to get creative That's it. but it's a double, double edged sword because we can imagine things we can imagine the bad things as well as the good things That's it. Um, and so if we're going to create something like an amazing event or a beautiful experience or even a, a a product we need to be able to work out how to get there and i think anyone here who's an entrepreneur who you know who've been told you know you need to have a five-year plan because if you've got a five-year plan you know where you're going i don't think necessarily is the plan is the problem is your attachment that the plan must execute exactly how you foresaw it that's it is that because is that there's that real tension sometimes yeah. like being in the moment yeah. and, and being able to know what's going to happen next or yeah. being able to predict what you're going to do next. So if you know 
that you have within you, all of us, you know, if we have within us the capacity to meet the need of any given moment, we do not need to be afraid of what happens because we will find within us you know, Lawrence, your boy suddenly was in hospital. You had to find within you the, the need to meet that and deal with it as reality. You would never, you know, that's something you can't plan for. You find it within you, you know. We, we all have within us this capacity. And we also have within us the capacity for inspiration to come and, and get us out of bed in the morning. It's the same capacity. Mm. I think of it like you want to have something that gets the ship out of the harbour. You want to have a reason to sail, to go, you mm. know. You want to have a destination. Maybe you've got in mind, I don't know, some islands with lots of dancing naked women on it. <laughs> <laughs> that, if you're a so inclined. Um, that, will get <laughs> that will get you out of bed, right? But then you're on the... Then you're on the waves and the wind and the and the sea is doing what it's doing and your ship is doing and the, and you've got to follow the needs of the moment. You've got to follow what the weather is doing right now and you may be thrown off course and you may end up somewhere else. And if you, like you say, trust the, the flow of life, the wind and the weather of life, it will always take you forward if you let it. And sometimes to a new destination, and I just want to quote, happy startup camp number four or five, when suddenly there was no venue within weeks, you know, but you responded to the needs of that moment and, and discovered a whole new venue that probably in many ways was more serving what you wanted to do or, or gave you something. So that's a perfect example of being thrown off course, yeah. but responding in the needs of the moment. And I think you guys are such masters at that knowing that path um so i think trust about i think that's what we're missing in our world today is the trust of something on the inside that we can tap into an intelligent source that can guide us but we're not so intelligent when we're busy preoccupied with a lot of thinking that's that's really what i want to say i don't know if that answers your question at all lawrence but that's what came <laughs> so what that so the things that spring up for me there is the idea of resilience, yeah, and this kind of idea of what we're talking about bouncing back, yeah. Um, and thank you for taking us back to that traumatic experience. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say with that, it makes me realise that after that experience, we we realise you can pretty much cope with any anything that life throws at you, but it's a double edged sword. Like Carla said, it it triggers a trauma, which um, yeah. It still sits sits there somewhere, so I think it's it's useful to have it. But also, yeah, you kind of uh, you get taken back to that moment. <laughs> I I am taken to that moment. That's exactly what you're saying there, Lawrence. I I have clear picture. I was on a holiday when I found out this event. We basically, for those of you who don't know, we run a yearly uh, yearly festival, um, Happy Startup Summer Camp. Uh, beautiful place in in uh, East Sussex, um, lovely barn that we have it in. Uh, and about three, four weeks before, three weeks before, 
we discovered that the venue was booked on the wrong date. There was there was a clerical mix-up. We're not going to go into blame right now. Anyway, what it is is like I'm realizing this on holiday, and I have a distinct picture of myself getting my wife say, "All right, we're going to go to a bar. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have a beer and just stop thinking." Beautiful. Immediately was like. Oh my god, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. And like it was like, oh god, I can't do anything right now. I just need to sit down and just have a drink and then call Lawrence. <laughs> and to be honest, if there's someone you want in that kind of crisis, Carlos is the guy. So you know when he's worried, there's some there's something really going on. <laughs> um, but you know what? The only thing that got me through that moment was so I remember exactly where I was and I remember exactly that phone call. I remember thinking this could have been the day itself. So we could have found out when we got there. Mm. That was the only thing that got me through was this could have been, at least we've got two weeks. <laughs> it's been crazy to say. We normally plan a year in advance, but at least we've got two weeks. We're not just showing up with 150 people and a, a kind of a wedding where we should be having this festival. So that was kind of cling on to the crumbs of comfort around that. And we only had three choices. I think yeah. it's the other thing that made me say. We either cancel, mm. uh, postpone, or find another venue. Mm. That's what, the way I thought about it. And so we can't cancel because we would be dead as a business. We can't postpone because we'd still be dead as a business because most people would probably wouldn't be able to make it. It's too short notice. So we only had one choice. We only had to find another venue. That's all we could do. There's mm. nothing else we could spin out about. And that for me, just like, all right, boom, we just focus on that full stop. Mm. There's a deeper truth here that I absolutely love, which is that you guys... And, and all of us, when we're up against something that we don't want it to be that way, and you did not want it to be that way, I'm guessing. <laughs> you wouldn't have chosen it, right? But the minute we accept the way that it is what it is, we get resourceful, we get resilient, and we get capable, we get insightful. So I want to say that, that there's a relationship that we have with X where it shifts from a massive problem which involves lots of resistance, drama, upset, wish it wasn't like this, who the fuck did this, I want to kill them, you know, feelings. And we just let the feelings fall away and the thoughts fall away and it is what it is, which I have to say, I, Carlos, in my experience, is my, I mean, I, I have experienced him do this. He's, got, he's very neutral. Both of you are very neutral. It is what it is. And so at the minute we are, it is what it isness. fresh ideas come perspective comes, insight comes. So, so I want to say that the, the, our relationship with X as a situation is the thing that creates the problem, not the situation itself. And the minute we go, okay, we are going to find another venue, then guess what? A million ideas come. But I want to go a step deeper, if I may, for a moment, because it's you and I feel like I can. We like deep. Good. Talk yeah. about the X word. This is the campfire, right? <laughs> This is the campfire. This is we're now going to talk about spiritual things. We are. Are you going woo-woo now? Is this the going woo -woo -woo -woo? Go woo -woo. Okay. Woo-woo. <laughs> woo-woo. That's fine. I want to oh now Carlos is gone. Now I'm talking woo-woo. He disappears. Okay, I get that message. Um so what I want to say is Leanne wants to get woo-woo too. Beneath the story of we have to put this on or we have to find a venue or a business will be over if we don't and all of that. Beneath that is a truer thing. 
And the truer thing is this, no matter what happens, the essence of you is okay. You are okay even when you don't think you're okay. You are okay even if the business was to go under. You are okay even if, you know, you had to postpone. You didn't, but you are okay. And this deeper spiritual truth is the, is the essence of you before you start thinking yourself up or you have an idea of yourself as a, you know, I have an idea of myself as a successful businesswoman or an entrepreneur, that they're all ideas that I have of myself. But before all of that, I'm just the life force energy and so are you. And that energy is unbreakable, untouchable, cannot be harmed. It's our true nature. It is our source. It is our essence. It is the life force itself. It doesn't matter what you call it. It is your higher self, it is your soul, it is, yeah, nature personified in you. Whatever that is cannot be harmed by an external thing. Now, you can have external situations that are sad. You know, I know this because I've, you know, lost three members of my family. One is my sister. I was by her deathbed. I would never choose that, right? I would never choose my sister to die. But I discovered in that great moment of truth, which is what becomes available when you're literally looking death in the face of something you love, someone you love, is peace. Our true nature has peace available to us when all else falls away. She, she shouldn't be dying, creates disease in me, unease in me. She, it is what it is. I find I, my heart can meet it fully. And with that heart meeting the moment fully, I settle, become peaceful and, and grieve and be sad, but no resistance to any of it. It's all just experience happening. And I feel like I want to say the flow of life is filled with highs and lows. And anybody that's trying to get out of feeling bad, good luck with that. I still fight with my husband, but I know that it's a function of, my state of mind, seeing, and that when I settle back down to peace, all that will remain is love because that's who we are when all else falls away. And, guys, you were onto that before you even knew you were onto, a, onto that. You created a space for love to show up before you even knew what you were doing, <laughs> I think. You know, from what I can gather of your journey, it's become clearer and clearer. But when we all mm -hmm. settle down... What's left is connection and, and love, yeah. And so if we know that's who we really are and we know that from that place we can meet anything, there's nothing we need to be afraid of. There's no feeling we need to fear. There's no circumstance we need to worry about. Mm. Yeah, use your common sense. <laughs> I'm not saying don't do that. That's what's available to you when you're settled, when you're slow globe, When you're slow globing, sense is available. Hashtag slow globe. I can see the T-shirt now. I'm already thinking of ideas. Slow the globe. I was going to say, it reminds me very much of the conversations we had with Shamash um, a couple of weeks ago and this, and this idea of res resisting when you resist the feelings. That's when you, you start causing trouble for yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting what you said about, I think Andre highlighted it, no matter what happens, the essence of you is okay. Because yeah. I 
I think for a long time, I thought the reason summer camp worked was that venue. Um, or the reason we worked was because we had an, um, a kind of co-working space or we had a certain member of the team with us. Or So it was really interesting when you start to lose some of those things, you start to think, oh, it's definitely not going to work now. It was all luck. Um, and that's, and like you said, trying to let go of those things is really hard when you think actually, yeah, what if, what's the worst case that can happen? But actually, like, I love the idea of, yeah, you'll rebuild yourself and still be you without all those things. Um, really simply, if I cut both your legs off, would you still be you? <laughs> of course. Ooh. You'd be, you, the essence of you would be you, but you yeah. wouldn't have legs. So your circumstances and your body are real, but there's something energetic, essential that is independent of that. Mm. And I know this because I've given birth to two babies. And let me tell you, the first birth, I fought the labour pains. I resisted. The second birth, I dived right in and there was a sense of myself that was independent of my body, but my body was having what it was having, but I, I was riding the dragon. And they were... One was painful and one was involved pain, but I did not suffer. So who is that that's not that's mm. suffering or not suffering? Because the body was pretty much doing the same thing. So that's really what I'm pointing to. That essence of who you are is unbreakable. Mm. I've got a question. I mean, some people might see some of this stuff as we said we were, but... There's, there's a kind of feels like there's a spectrum we get this with people who come to our events there's people who are like you know bring on the woo-woo i've been five times like what's next <laughs> level me up yeah um i want the next badge and, and then there's people who want to start a business maybe a bit disillusioned in their job want to find a new path who are kind of stepping into this world of all of the stuff you talk about and and you've i know work with not you know you don't from my understanding, don't work with people who are, you know, coming at this from the spirituality point of view. These are business people. These are leaders of companies, big companies and teams. And so I'd love to know, A, how do they respond to this stuff? Um, and B, were you always like that? You know, has that always been there or you've kind of taken them on a journey with you to probably like we have, you know, learn about this stuff and therefore bring more of it to their their work and their world? Definitely uh, a learning process. Um, I'm, I'm scared to say this because I think Carlos might hang me out to dry. So don't hang me out to dry, Carlos. But, but I'm only pointing to what's true. I'm only pointing to the truth. So what do I mean by that? There is an energy. We are alive. There's an energy animating us. That energy has intelligence. It's the same energy that makes acorns turn into oak trees. There is some kind of, I don't make the sunrise, do you? Maybe Carlos does, but, you know, you, Lawrence, do you make the sun? You know, we, it ha it, there's a something going on <laughs> that is independent of us, right, that we are a part of. So that's a hidden constant. The life force itself is a hidden constant. It has qualities and, and it exists and we exist. And so that is true and everyone knows it. And everyone also knows that when we settle down and, and, put the, and slow globe, we feel better. I don't, you don't have to believe me. You know it's true. We attribute it to the walk, 
or to the cuddle or to the wine. But actually, we settle on the inside. And I love what you said, Lawrence, about I used to think it was a magic potion that that venue created this space. But actually, it was there was something else that was creating Happy Startup Summer Camp that was independent of the space. So the hidden constant is true. And the hidden variable is true, which is that we all have our own unique experience moment by moment, depending on what we're thinking and feeling. So I just point out what's true. And when people understand that, for example, there's an essence that's so unbreakable in them, not intellectually, but when they get it in their bones, that's a game changer. When people understand that their experience of vari variability of living on a mood elevator they don't have to pay so much attention to their feelings because what you focus on grows. They know that's true. They know that when their anxious wife gets really anxious and starts focusing on the 16 things that are wrong today, she doesn't need to, but she does, and she sees more things. They know it's true over there. And all you need to do is point out where where is that true for you. So I only point out what's true. I don't tell people what to do because I stand on the solid knowing that everyone has wisdom for themselves. So I can't tell you what you need, but I can point, tell you where to look for what you need. It's the difference between me as a coach or a worker or a, a helper. You come to me when you're thirsty and I'll give you a drink of water. So I used to be a bit like that and then I started to see it would be so much better if I pointed to them where the water source was and they could fill their cup anytime they like. And you know what? Everyone wants that. And that's what right. I know. Whether you're a successful businessman helping your team, you want, you want to know where the water source is that's going to liberate potential, collaboration, clarity, creativity, confidence. Well, I know where it is, but I ain't got it. You do. And people prick up their ears because they want to know the truth and they know, they know the truth. They just have thought themselves intellectually away from it. Right. How I see it, but honestly, I've discovered this. What well, this? Sorry, I've got one more thing to say, if I may. We live in a world that tends—not you guys, you are different—but we live in a world that tends to prize the intellect over personal insight. And the interesting thing is, intellectual knowledge doesn't change things; it just gives you more to think about. You have to have your own insight for it to be meaningful, your own embodied experience, your own knowing, your own intuition, your own. So I could be the biggest expert on kissing, right, that existed in the planet. I could have read every book, written every book, but would I, I could know technically everything about kissing, but would that make me a good kisser? You'd hope, right? But not necessarily. It would make me an expert on kissing. I'd be the intellectual expert. You have, I have to have my own insight into kissing for me to be a good kisser. And truly, that happens in the moment, not when I'm thinking about being a good kisser. So I really want to point to this thing called personal insight as the, the intellectual knowledge is the booby prize. It can trigger insight, but on its own, it isn't what creates change and flow and wisdom. You have to see within. You have to know for yourself in your bones. And we live in a world where we're told what to think from when we're young. I'm not going to go on my education. Mm. 
Okay. Well, I was gonna I was gonna join you on the education around because yeah. was yesterday I was just watching. There's a TED talk by Ken Robinson about does do schools kill creativity? Uh, yes. <laughs> and kind of relating, I think, back to what Lawrence was saying. You know, what is the shift? What's the change that needs to be to be made? And and you touched on I think even earlier about what? How do we measure success? Yeah. That what I heard, and how do we measure value? And it is a system based on, as according to this talk by Ken Robinson, it is based on intellect. It's based on a particular type of intellect. And how the curriculum is structured is those more academic subjects, maybe science, maths, and uh, are put on a pedestal higher than anything else like the humanities and even lower down, he talks about dance, for instance. How the relative value of those two things not only at school, but also in our economies, are given that skewed feeling. And you're talking about body, wisdom, embodiment. What is more embodied than dancing? Absolutely. But it's totally not worth, you know, it's not valuable according to our current systems. So there's right. that shift there, it sounds like. Well, also, it's hard to measure, isn't it? I think that's the thing. It's, you know, it's easy to know whether you've got a maths equation right or wrong. It's very subjective to decide if someone's dancing is good or bad. Although if you've seen me, you probably all agree it's pretty bad. Oh, I'll take you as I find you, Lawrence, on a dad or anywhere. I'm, I'm very good at dad dancing. So, oh, there you go. You're a dad. That works. Carlos is uh, is more the kind of 1990s running man. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah, with, with a dodgy back, so he can't quite do the moves he used to be able Not to. Not anymore. But, um, yeah, he needs to do stretching for about an hour before. <laughs> and the chiropractor afterwards. We, you know, I don't have to tell you or anyone listening to this that we've lost our way. And you brought into my awareness the idea of business as a tribe. And I'm actually about to write an article. The new CEO, chief empathy officer, business as community, teams as family. We now live in a choice between me, not we, or we, not me. And the new CEO, if and we, includes our good friend Gaia. And if we are not living in alignment with the needs of the we, including our mate Gaia, we are uh, lost. And so there is an opportunity now for a new wisdom to arise where empathy and thinking about we and nurturing, listening, making space listening to the wisdom of the tribe, the the feminine energies, it's not only in women, mm. but the feminine energy. See, the reason why we've gone overboard is the masculine loves a good measurable pole. <laughs> okay, she said that, yeah. She said re re reword that. Yes. <laughs> the masculine loves form. It loves measure. It loves to manifest form. So we've lived in a world that reveres the form and yet there is a formless truth as well. So I want to say it like this. Um, we've learned to value what we can measure but not everything that matters we can measure and often what we do measure doesn't matter. So we need to learn to look beyond what is measurable and value that too. And that's kindness and creativity, connection, 
confidence, things that are just kind of very hard, well-being. Then nobody even agrees what well-being is. I'm just saying it's when you're in alignment with, with the flow of life. That's then you are just being and it feels good. That's well-being. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just you being you without a lot mm. on your mind. But but my point is this. We are bodies and they have they run by biology. But we are more than that. And it is the more than that bit. And it doesn't matter what you call it, but you know every person will know what I'm talking about the piece of them that stays constant, that was at their sixth birthday party, that had their first kiss, that's here on this call. There's an aware part of us that is independent of our bodies and that part of us has gifts. I'm going to call them spiritual gifts and they are not necessarily measurable and yet they are the joy of life. When you watch your baby be born, when you when you have that moment, when you see that, everything is connected or whatever it is consciousness hmm. you can call it doesn't it's not in the name it's in the experience when you're singing in a choir when hmm. you're dancing on that dance floor with the what are they called the guys with the drums the the, the guys you, that you had at happy startup to do oh, the, the, the bank oh the, were they oh. Banger band or the yeah the, the band okay yeah. might have been iron, iron boots scrapers maybe iron, iron boots that you know, when you're when you're kind of all there, connected, you can't. They could put stuff on our heads and our hearts to measure chemistry, but that isn't what it's about. It's about what we experience when that's happening, and that's yeah. spiritual. And I just want to say, the new leader is spiritual. Yeah. I don't mean woo woo. I mean yeah. has respect for the formless energy that we can't measure, but yet we know it when we see it and feel it. Mm. I'm well, I, I love the new, the new CEO. That's great. <laughs> well, this is uh, Leanne was asking a question, actually, I think related to this. Um, she says, in light of where we are right now and what we are experiencing, do you see or believe that spirituality will find a stronger place in a business environment and with business leaders, i.e. can and will business become more conscious well i've devoted my whole life to that <laughs> but here's what i've discovered the answer to the spice girl question i have never met anybody who doesn't want love peace fulfillment or freedom hmm. ever. now they may be very cynical they may be very show me the money they may be all sorts of other things as, as a mask that they've learned to wear in a corporate setting, but you give them a moment where they can have the taste, the nectar of human connection and they will drop it in a heartbeat if they feel safe enough. It's all about right. safety. Now, that's my trademark, making people feel safe enough to be real, but um, I know that to be true. I know that to be true. When you take the mask away, people... I might have a very well in place mask that can be true too but I haven't yet met a person who doesn't want that right. and if I if I say to them you're gonna have to give something up to have that would you be willing to give up being right about the way that you think it is for what you really really want most people will entertain that thought they'll entertain it some will be like do you know what that's too hard 
that mm -hmm. most people, because I have to get rid of years of conditioning, or millennia of conditioning actually, it goes all the way back. But most people in this time are broken open. Mm. There are two, uh, Leanne, I love the question. There are two things that make people change. Inspiration, and I definitely think HSSC are on the path of cultivating inspiration in people. But I'll tell you the other thing, desperation. Mm. Otherwise, I'm happy and I'm comfortable and I don't need to change. But if I'm really inspired, then that's a reason to grow. But if I'm really desperate, I think we live in desperate times. And I think it's going to get worse. I'm an optimist, but I think it's going to get worse in people's experience. If it hurts, people will be willing to try something new. And that's the opening for a shift in consciousness. It breaks us open mm -hmm. and something new can be born. And I am that well, hopeful. Reminds me of what Case said at a summer camp a few years ago, there's purpose in pain. Mm. And, and when, when we feel that pain, then we get that sense of, okay, right, I need to do something about it. Um, and I think most people, well, a big chunk of people who find us tend to have maybe been at a point of desperation, you know, that they, they yeah. see happy and they're clinging onto that or they've um, actually had something like, the, not this global reset or trauma happen to them, but something traumatic, maybe like a loved one dying, like you said, yeah. and actually that then making them realize, yeah. wow, I haven't got long on this on this thing we call the earth and, and I want to get inspired to do something different and make most of it. Yeah. Another thing this brings to mind about what's happening right now and how that can maybe shift the way we look at how we are in terms of consciousness and also work and, and community is I heard someone say this on the WHO um, press conference, we all won't, be, I say, we won't be safe until we are all safe. Mm. Until every single person is safe, not we, we won't be safe. You can't just have a bunch of us say, all right, we're okay, we're protected. And those people have the coronavirus because if they've got it, we're still in threat. So until we're all good, when we're yeah. all looking after each other, we're That's all going to be in It makes me laugh when we see these league tables of countries and, you know, we're doing better than whoever else. And it's just mm -hmm. ludicrous because it's obviously self-interest in politics. And, and we will have to travel eventually if we want to get out of this. And then it won't matter, will it? We are one, one world. There's no this bound there's this this virus has no boundaries in terms of geographical boundaries or no boundaries in terms of economical boundaries. You could be the richest person in the world, you still get it. You could be in the far flung parts of the world at some point you're gonna get it. And and what I hear from you, Elizabeth, is having that shift of understanding of what actually there are things that don't have boundaries. And one of that the positive thing that doesn't have boundaries is love. That's it. And if we can harness that by acknowledging actually we're not separate that's it you know i'm sure you guys know or have heard of charles eisenstein and he talks about the story of separation mm. we live in the idea and illusion that we're separate and if it and we you know it, up till now and then in the last 10 years let's say this growing awareness that we are all connected have you not gone to a beach and been horrified at what you see washed up on the shore and you're like where the did that come from well you know somebody in south america got on a boat and threw something in the water and it landed on your shores you know i remember watching survivor or something and thinking that's an island in the middle of the pacific and how is that even happening so now we're starting to really get the visceral reality that we are all connected on a physical level and coronavirus is a wonderful metaphor for 
for that truth. There, it is. I, I see coronavirus in many different ways, and one of the ways I see it, it's the great wake up. It's the great wake up call. A incontrovertible evidence we're all connected, but it also shows us the state of things. It. I don't know about you, but in lockdown, do you not meet yourself? <laughs> do you not meet your head? Do you not meet your pathology and your compulsions and all the bits of you that you kind of could get away from before you now meet? So it's the great awakening on an individual level, but also on a societal level. And the great opportunity is we can do better. We can do better. We've all been sent to our room <laughs> for a bit. And now we can come out and do better. And um, But I think the other thing that Charles talks about is interbeing. It is a fact that there is, we are all part of and connect to the whole. And we have our own unique individual expression, which is beautiful, just like every tree in the forest is meant to be its separate self, not the same as something else. But it is all part of the forest and we are all part of the one world. And I think this coronavirus is a is a revealing thing and a truth teller and a, an awakening tool. And that's not even true what I just said. It's just what looks true to me and it's a possible interpretation that leaves me a wiser mm. as a result of seeing it that way. Mm. Well... Lots to soak in here. I, I, it's interesting what Ray just said. There's no profit to be made from getting everyone to love each other, but plenty to be made from selling vaccines. And that, for me, just like that stark difference in perspective that you can take on what's going on around you uh, based on what, what's important or you what you believe to be important. <laughs> and that's what's curious for me is how things go back together whenever that happens. Will things be the same? Um, Will people want to buy the things that they bought before? Will they want to, you know, live the, the way they did? Because it feels to me like there's two camps, people who've responded to this well and people who've responded to this in a very different way. And I guess neither is right or wrong, is it? Facing up to demons sounds like the hardest part of this for everyone. I think that's a reality that we get. And we either take that crucible and we turn shit into gold or we don't. Yeah. But it's available. It's available. I promise you, if you're in the shit right now, you go to the heart of it. You you dive in. You wallow in it, and you will find the gold. It is there always, mm. without exception. We, we're made. We're made for these times. We're made to to deal with whatever's up against us and find our heart and our community and our adaptability within it. And I just think the one thing that um, we miss that we can't replace. We're loving. I'm loving all of this kind of call to be online and to rethink things. I'm I, I'm really enjoying it. It's, come, it's going really well for me. Finding new ways to share what I do online. But the one thing that you guys always knew was that the balance needed to be there between person to person contact mm -hmm. and then this global reach. Yeah, I think that person to person contact we must protect that. However, it makes sense for us to do in our worlds, in our ways, but nothing can replace touch. Nothing can replace touch. And that we must remember that, you know, we're made for that mm. and that that's important. And I think that will become increased. My prediction that once the 
fear is settled down, the need for that will increase. Yeah. So, when are we going to hug again? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm a hugger and I'm going to hug the people I feel safe to hug or who are <laughs> hugging them because I need to do that and I'm going to do that. I trust, I trust that. I I'm also, a, I might be immune, so. <clears throat> Mother hugger. Mother hugger. Um, but going back to your point, I, you know, when thinking about this conversation, I was thinking back to us sitting on a log at summer camp chatting for what seemed like a long while, but it was probably about 10 minutes. But in that kind of midst of craziness when you're running something like that, it was really a moment I remember. And I think that, you know, as much, as nice as this is, I think our community wouldn't be what it is without those moments, I feel. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. There's, there's, the, there's the, shall I call it the intellectual experience of just the conversation, but then there's also the sensory side of things and, mm. and until you have both of those working together then you're never going to have the the highest quality of memory of that situation and like you said elizabeth mm. it's about feeling and feeling is a bodily function not a mental it, it you know when you're when you're when your mind and your heart and your body and let's call it your soul are in alignment that's what everyone's looking for Everyone is looking for that. And I remember that really when I when I used to hold my six-year-old boy who was a very still person, he's very grounded. He's, I would be so still in his being, I would hold him and I would feel still too. That's the biggest contribution we can make mm -hmm. is to locate our centre and emanate from that place, mm -hmm. our being. Just our very being impacts other people, and it's enough. It's enough. It's interesting. I don't know if that relates to Annette's question. Um, how do you bring people you work with towards that recognition and connection with true essence and their innate goodness? It's a good one. Okay. Well, we've got like three minutes, haven't we? How long is this thing? <laughs> yeah. Does it involve ayahuasca? <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, honey. <laughs> What I would say about that is I, I do actually have a trick I use. So maybe we'll do another webinar someday on this. But it is the devi a device I use to point people to the fact, and it is an absolute fact, that everybody has this within them, but they think they don't. They don't they, they think, oh, yeah, that sounds really nice. One day I'll get there. But no, you had it last week when you were walking the dog. You had it in the shower the other day when you were like, oh, looking out the window thinking it's going to be a nice day. Or when you hugged your kid. Or the last time you felt relaxed, whatever it, you were doing something or nothing. But you attribute it to that thing. What if all that ever happened was that you settled enough on the inside to be there fully? And because the truth is, we, we might say every time I go for a run, it clears my head. But there are times when you go for a run and it doesn't clear your head. So it can't be the run. There's a hidden variable, and the variable is you and your state of mind. And when you settle down enough, you touch that place inside. And it's because it's already there. And the big misunderstanding is it, we think it's a destination to get to. It's actually, like the sun, already there whenever we get less on our mind. And we suddenly feel connected. And so I, what I do is I remind people that they already know this. And I bring them into that experience. 
and I say, you know that thing that you just felt right then? That's who you really are. Nobody ever tells us that. That's not what they teach in school. Exactly. Yeah, actually, I have some colleagues that do, but, mm. you know. Well, I think that's the thing. That's the thing that needs to be taught. And if we were talking about education um, or even thinking about how you build a business, I feel more and more the the mission we're on with this community is how to build a business by just being you. Brilliant. And the work isn't necessarily what are the strategies for marketing and, and structuring a business. It's like, who are you? <laughs> it's like, once you know that, then you build a business around it. Yeah. Probably a lot of people don't know what that is. No, and because they've got to think, they've, they think it's a, it's a fixed thing and it's an idea that they of themselves, they need to know what idea they have of themselves. But actually, who argue is much more in the moment and it's your unique you-ness. And it, it's the hardest thing to answer because we we know what it's like to be us, but we don't really know what it's like to be with us. So we don't have a real sense of ourselves. But, but we do net get a glimpse of who we really are when we're settled on the inside. And whatever flows from that place is closer to the truth of who we are, including our brilliant idea for, in my case, um, setting up a wisdom and wellbeing consultancy to help more wellbeing in the world and training practitioners. And now they're, they're all volunteering on something called the listening space, which I've created, none of which was planned. It all occurred to me in the moment as a good idea. <laughs> so I did it. I don't, no money in it, God knows. But I'm, I don't seem, seem to be doing it for the money, it turns out. I seem to be doing it from my heart. And my other business seems to be going well, so that's funding me. You know, it, I don't need to figure it all out. I just need to follow what feels good for me. Beautiful. I think it's so important at the moment. We found that even just these conversations came out of this need to follow what we had energy for, not what made sense commercially. And that's, that's where the good stuff is, I think. Um, I've, I've now got vi now got visions of Miss Lovius coming in to teach snow globes. <laughs> Anybody wants that? I'm, I'm, you know, I've got a whole team that teach snow globe stuff. Snow globe thinking, Elizabeth Lovius. Yeah. I love it. And then you get there and then you can really brainwash them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're brainwashed anyway. We might as well brainwash Yeah, them. exactly. Brainwash with the good stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Elizabeth. Really enjoyed that. It was super fun. Yeah, lots um, of fun. Thank you, everyone, for, for pitching in and sharing your questions. Um, shameless promotion time. Oh. If you want to point people in the direction to find out more about what you do and, and how you think, where would you like to tie, uh, push them to? So um, if you're particularly interested in re resilience and helping other people, wisdomandwellbeing.co.uk. I've got a little temporary page going on there, but, you know, it's a good come and join our newsletter, find out what we're up to. We offer lots of free things at the moment to help people with their wisdom and well-being. A Monday night call. 5.30 every Monday and we talk about things like how not to kill your partner when you're in lockdown and um, what to do if you're on your own and you're feeling really lonely. So stuff, real stuff. And then my other business is if you're, in, if you're a leader and you're really wondering about your own headspace, how you can get the best out of yourself, it's leadershipwisdom.info. And nice. that's where I'm offering various different things to help leaders, in particular teams. I'm helping people check in as human beings with their team. That's going very well at the moment. So if you're interested in that, I do that 
And they're the two things I think at the moment that I'd like to share. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you very much. And um, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, for those of you still here, next week we're going to be joined by John Parkin, author of the Fuck It books, the original Fuck It books. And we are going to be talking about Fuck It and Feel the Fear. So Beautiful. if you're curious about that, join us next Friday. Um, brilliant. Well, have a beautiful rest of the day, Elizabeth. Thank um, you. Seems like we need, there's going to be Lovius too, slow globes. Yes. Anytime. I, I, I support you guys 100%. You guys live More in my webinar jazz. <laughs> I'm going to go also, listen to the Spice Girls now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Take, Take care. care, everyone. Bye. Bye bye. bye, -bye. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?